This is the Christian Home and Family Podcast, episode number 54, and today we'll be uncovering the foundation of family unity. Here's a little bit of what you're going to hear. You have no hope of building a family that is unified and strong and on the same page unless you build into your family this concept that Paul is talking about here in Philippians chapter 2, and that's the quality of humility. Welcome to the Christian Home and Family Podcast with Carrie Green. He's my dad. The Christian Home and Family Podcast brings you biblical teaching, encouragement, Q&A, interviews, biblical conversations, and much, much more, all focused on helping you make Christ the center of your home so that you can build a legacy of faith in your family for generations to come. You can find out more about the ministry of Christian Home and Family at www.christianhomeandfamily.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you for that introduction, Maddie. That's my 17-year-old daughter, Madeline, and I am Carrie Green. I'm your host for the Christian Home and Family Podcast. And today I'm going to be looking at a passage of Scripture that reveals to us what I believe is the foundational characteristics that you need to have to be true of your home if you want it to be a harmonious place, if you want the members of your family to get along, and not only just get along, but love each other and be supportive of each other. Please stay tuned. We're going to have a great time looking into the scriptures to see what that foundation is. If you would be so kind, I have a favor to ask of you. If you would go to christianhomeandfamily.com slash iTunes, you will find a quick video there that will show you how to leave a rating and a review on iTunes, which will help the Christian Home and Family Podcast become more easily found in the iTunes search engine, and that will help more people know about the ministry of Christian Home and Family, and in particular, our podcast. If you could do that for me, I would be very grateful. And also, if you have any questions or comments or suggestions for the Christian Home and Family ministry or the podcast, you can leave those at christianhomeandfamily.com slash contact. Without further delay, let's get into our main topic for the day on Christian Home and Family podcast. In my experience as a pastor and a counselor, I've come across family after family who bemoans the fact that what exists in their home is not an atmosphere of harmony. There are sibling rivalries that go on. There are bad attitudes toward each other. There are uh, harsh conversations and criticisms and and difficulty. And uh, it's just a common longing for families to have that desire to have harmony in their home, but but so many don't know how to get there. And today on the podcast, I want to do something a little different from what I normally do. Uh, I want to take you directly to a passage of Scripture and kind of walk through it, because this passage, I think, reveals not only the key to having unity in the home, but the key to having unity as believers. And it applies to the Christian home, because the Christian home is made up of a mom and a dad who love Jesus Christ and of children, hopefully, who have trusted in Christ themselves. And so these principles apply. We're going to be looking at Philippians chapter number two, and we're going to start right at verse one. Now, Philippians two is well known for its passage about having this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus. And then it goes on to talk about how he emptied himself and became 
uh, a man and took on the form of a servant, some translations say. And that is part of the passage we're going to look at, but we're going to look at it in terms of the broader context of this passage, because the entire passage is speaking about the idea of unity within the body of Christ. And that's where we're going to focus today, because that unity should exist in our homes if we, if we are building Christian homes. And, and this passage is going to reveal to us what it is that enables us to build that atmosphere of unity in our homes. So let's look at Philippians chapter 2, verse number 1. Now, I will be reading from the English Standard Version, and this is Philippians 2, verse number 1. It says, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Now, you notice Paul's purpose here is to get these folks to think about this issue of unity. He says, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Paul is encouraging these believers to become unified. In that first verse where he says, if there is any encouragement, any comfort, any participation in the Spirit, he's basically saying, if you're believers in Christ, then make my joy complete by being unified. That is Paul's goal in this passage, and it's important that we notice that. Because all the com- the conversation he's going to take us through in just a minute that has to do with what Christ did as our example is for the sake of pointing us toward unity. He's saying what Jesus did is your example of what you need to do th- to get you to the point of unity. So let's pay close attention as we continue in verse number three. Here's what he says. He says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Here it is. Here's the key to building that foundation of family unity. It's humility. If you are not able to build a foundation of humility in your home, amongst all the members of your home, you have no hope of building a unified, peaceful home. Let me say that again. If you Do not build a foundation of humility in your home. You have no hope of building a unified, harmonious home. You see, humility in the mom, in the dad, in the children is essential to unity because of this verse that we just read in verse number three, because we as believers are to do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. That's Exactly the opposite of humility, which is what we're supposed to have. In humility, we are to count others as more significant than ourselves. And that is a tall order. That's a difficult thing to do if we don't rely on the Spirit of God to enable us to do that. This humility, continuing in verse 4, he describes it. He says, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So stop for a moment and think about the conflicts that happen in your home. The sibling rivalries, the jealousy, the pettiness over toys or over being in and out of each other's room or whatever the case may be. What is the source of those things? Isn't it exactly what Paul is, is revealing to us right here? That people are looking out to their own interests? They're not looking out for the interests of others? Paul's saying, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And then he's going to go to Jesus as our example. 
He says, have this mind among yourselves, yourselves, believers, all of you, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. He took on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So stop for a moment and think, why does Paul bring up Jesus as the example that we should follow? Well, first of all, he's a perfect example, so he's the best example we could have. But I think it's something more than that that Paul's pointing out here. He's pointing out Jesus' example because Jesus is the example of the greatest amount of humility ever required of any person. Jesus had to humble himself from godhood to manhood. He had to make the greatest sacrifice in terms of humility that could ever be made. And so what Paul is telling us by bringing up Jesus as an example is that there is no requirement of humility that is so great that we should not be willing to make it. If Jesus gave up what he gave up in order to become a man to look out for our interests, not just his own, then we should be willing to do the same thing as his followers. We have that mind. It is ours in Christ Jesus, he tells us there in verse 5. So like Jesus emptied himself to look out for the interests of others, we are to do the same thing. He humbled himself. And look at the word there in verse number 8. It says he humbled himself by becoming obedient. And he was obedient to the point of death. So Jesus humbled himself in obedience to his Father's will, that he go and become the sacrifice, the atoning sacrifice for our sin, to take care of our interests on behalf of the Father. And it is that point in the next verse that Paul goes on to talk about all of the benefits that came from that for Christ. He he was obedient to the point of death, and God exalted him and bestowed on him a name that's above every name, so that every name that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So notice that the ultimate outcome of this kind of humble obedience that that lays a foundation for unity is glory to God the Father. Now look in verse 12. Here is where it gets really interesting. He says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it's God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Now, that verse does not mean we work for our salvation. It means we have salvation that we are to work out, we are to live out in the same uh, mindset that James talks about, where faith without works is dead. So we are to put our faith in Jesus Christ into action. It's faith that works. And so this action that he's talking about is what he just mentioned up in verses 3, 4, and 5, that we are not to look out for our own interests, but also the interests of others. And this is an issue of obedience. Did you notice that in verse 12? He says, as you've always obeyed, so now do the same. Work out your own salvation with fear and with trembling, because God is working in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So you're not alone in this. God is at work in you. And this tall order of laying down your life, giving up your interests for the sake of other people's interests, those of the people in your home, is a work that God is going to help you accomplish. He wills it and he will work it out in you 
for his good pleasure, but your, your responsibility in it is obedience. And then in verse 14, he goes on, he explains what that looks like. You're to do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God, without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. You see, this is where the basis for unity and harmony comes from. It comes from a God-empowered obedience that enables you to be humble toward those you're living with. And, and I'm applying it to the home. Because if, you, if your home is not a home where humility is championed and where a servant's attitude toward those in the family is taught from a very early age, you're going to run into conflict and dissension. And you're not going to have any basis to which you can appeal for those members of your home not to be behaving that way. You see, this attitude, this, this obedience of humility is to be the foundation from which unity flows because humility enables you to look out for someone else's interests instead of your own. So that is the basic principle. That's the foundational issue that Paul is laying out as the basis for unity to be built in any Christian group. And that applies to your home. But we need to get really practical. How do you do that in a home? How do you build an atmosphere of humility? Well, my wife is very intuitive about this kind of thing. She has uh, been very instrumental in the shaping of that attitude in our home. And it starts really when your children are very, very young. You need to be talking about, well, well, let's put it this way. You need to be using words like serve your brother, serve your sister, um, be humble toward them. Um, you should be loving toward them. And, and, and you build this into the DNA of how your family thinks. And you use those words all the time in your instruction and in your assessment of situations and in the way that you talk about each other. You talk about loving each other and serving one another and being a servant. Those are, are conversations that you have with your children all the time from the time they're able to understand what it is to be a, a member of a household. And so as you're doing that, they're getting this ingrained into the, the way they think, that this is who we are as a family. And you always tie it in to the fact that you're believers in Jesus Christ. Jesus was the servant. And when you tell the story of what Jesus did by coming to the earth as a baby at Christmas, you talk about how he was being a servant to us. When you talk about how Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave at Easter time. You talk about how he was doing that to be a servant toward us. And you, and you cloak it all in a context of him setting the example for us to follow. And take them right here to Ephesians chapter 2 and show them that God works through us to do that. We're not alone in it. It's not all about our effort and gritting our teeth and trying to be good and do this on our own. God works in us to will and to do his good pleasure. And that servant attitude of humility has got to be built into your home in that way. Now, what do you do if you've gone many years and your children are older, say eight or 10 or 12 or even teenagers, and you have not built this attitude into your home? What do you do then? Well, what my wife and I would propose that we would do if we were in those shoes is we would have a family meeting. We call everybody together. And basically, we would lead the way in humility by confessing our wrong 
as parents in not teaching our family this and, and, and guiding our family in this way. And we would go to Philippians 2 and we would talk about this and we would show the kids what it is we've learned. And we would ask for their forgiveness for us as parents, not leading them rightly. And we would highlight, we've had sibling rivalry going on. We've had a lot of conflict. We've had difficulty as a family because we have not built this attitude of humility into our home. And we would talk about the value of it. We would talk about how it enables us to be unified because that way we can love each other as we're each submitting one to the other and we're loving one another and serving one another. And we would ask the children, for forgiveness. And then we would go a step further and we'd say, and we want to start doing this in our home. We want to start developing attitudes of humility. And for the next however long, three months, six months, a year, that would be our project. As a family, we would be talking about humility. We'd be talking about service to one another. We'd be talking about ways we can love one another best for the sake of building unity. And when conflicts come up and sibling rivalries come up, We pull this topic back out and we say, let's look at this in light of the fact that we are to be loving one another. Let's look at this in light of the fact that we are to be uh, looking out for the interests of each other. And we would examine the situation and we would evaluate actions and attitudes in light of this command that God gives us. And we would talk about the issue of obedience. Because as Paul says twice in this, Jesus obeyed. And we are to obey just like he did. And this is not an issue of whether you feel like looking out for the interests of your sibling or your spouse. This is an issue of obedience before God. We are to obey God by obeying this by this command to look out for the interests of others. And as we obey, God enables us to do that obeying and he empowers and does the work to produce the harmony and the unity that flows out of it. You see, this is not something we're stuck in all by ourselves. God is there to help us. That's what he means when he says it is God who is at work in you to will and to do for his good pleasure. It's a short episode. It's a a simple concept, but it's one that you need to understand. If, If you do not build this attitude of humility into your home that Paul is talking about here in Philippians chapter two, you have no hope of building a family that is unified and at peace with one another. Just think about it. If the key to Jesus's attitude of self-sacrifice was humility, How could it be any different for us? I invite your comments, your questions, your interaction about this topic. You can go to christianhomeandfamily.com slash 54. That's where you'll see the show notes for this episode. And down at the bottom is a comment section where you can leave your comments. I would love to interact with you. The Christian Home and Family podcast and ministry is brought to you by supporters like yourselves. If you would like to know more about supporting Christian Home and Family, you can go to christianhomeandfamily.com slash partner. As always, my prayer is that Christ may evermore be the center of your home. God bless you.